Well, good morning again. Welcome to Calvary Chapel, Wichita. My name is Juan, and I'm the former youth pastor. I decided I'm quitting tomorrow. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, for those of you who may not know, uh, that's a weird intro, right? Uh, no. For those of you who may not know, um, my family and I are getting ready to move to Utah, um, Richfield, Utah, this Friday, actually. So this is our last Sunday. And I'm going to be talking more about that as we get into the message and a little bit about how the Lord has called us out. Um, but specifically, we'll be in 1 Kings chapter 19, um, verse 19, if you want to turn there. Um, if you actually remember all the way back to January, which feels like 18 years ago, um, but uh, when, when Patrick was out with COVID and, and I, oh yes, if you need a Bible, Bud has Bibles. Um, when Patrick was out with COVID and, and I filled in, we actually spent the, that Sunday looking at the first half of chapter 19. And, and I want to kind of refresh that real quickly because we, we pick up in that storyline. Um, and so if you remember, Elijah um, had just had the, the victory on Carmel Mountain, right? He, he's up there with the prophets of Baal. It's the final stand, uh, the greatest showdown. Wh who, is, who is the true God once and for all? And uh, prophets of Baal are, are dancing around, cutting themselves, crying out. Elijah's throwing zingers. You know, maybe he's uh, relieving himself in the restroom or he's wandering around somewhere clueless. You know, maybe he just can't hear you. Scream a little louder. Um, to which case then he... Um, you know, prays and, and calls out on the name of the Lord, and, and the Lord not only, um, you know, burns the, the burnt offering that, that he was setting before, but also the entirety of the altar and everything around, and the people realize that, well, oh, like, God is powerful, and Baal didn't do anything, and so they, they get rid of all the, the prophets of Baal, and then he comes back, and Jezebel tries to kill him because she's mad that he just took out all of her people, to which case he gets really depressed and runs away. And we looked at like, that's kind of weird, right? Like you just did like an amazing miracle was done with you present and God was victorious. Why are you running away now? But we looked at, there, there's a good chance that he was just discouraged or maybe he thought this was revival and when it didn't happen. Um, either way, uh, life and ministry just got to be a lot to where we find him as south as physically possible in the wilderness crying out to the Lord you know, finish, like, let's just finish this. Take me home. I, I can't keep doing this. I alone am left, and your people do not want to hear you. And so the Lord, in his gentleness and in his grace, um, lets him take a nap, feeds him a snack, wakes him up to feed him again, and then let him take another nap. Uh, and then they start that 40-day journey to Mount Horeb, um, also known as Mount Sinai, right, where the Lord had spoken once before. And, and bringing him there is where he asks him again, why are we here? You know, what, what has brought us here? And, and Elijah says, I, I alone am left, and I'm the only one that pursues you, and, and I can't keep doing this. And so the Lord, there's, there's the wind and the fire and the earthquake, but yet the Lord was in the still small voice. And part of that encouragement to Elijah was, was a few things, and one reminding him that he wasn't alone, that there actually were people out there he just hadn't hadn't realized that they were. Um, the other thing is that he gives them a, a list of tasks. These are the next things that I want you to do. 
So stop looking at the spinning of life and the crazy, like let's do this next thing and then this next thing, um, which is always good for those of us who uh, get stressed out easy or those of us who love people who get stressed out easy. Here's the next thing. Let's not worry about everything. We'll do one thing at a time. Um, and so the Lord being gentle and gracious there. Um, and then he, he gives him a friend in ministry. And we looked at it. I think it's one of the most important things in Elijah's ministry is he tells him, go find Elisha. And so today we actually pick up in Elijah, finding Elisha, uh, and, and as he's called into ministry. And the reason why I wanted to spend some time here this morning um, is that the Lord actually used this specific passage to actually confirm our calling in Utah. And, and I'll talk a little bit more why um, as we get into it. Because first I want to look at Elisha's response. Because it, we're, we're going to jump to Matthew, or sorry, Luke chapter 9 as well, if you want to stick a thumb there. Um, we'll get there in a second. And kind of comparing reactions to God calling people to new seasons. And so um, that's where we're going, and that's why. But first, let's pray one more time, and then we'll get into it. So, Lord, as we come before you, Father, we thank you. We thank you for today. Um, Lord, that we get to come before you. Um, Lord, just as we've been singing Lord, you're, you're worthy of praise. Um, you, you fix our brokenness. Lord, you meet us in our time of need. You call us to new things. Lord, you, you're so gracious to us. So, Lord, we ask that you would settle our hearts before you. Lord, that you would speak to us, that we would hear your still small voice. And, Lord, that you'd be glorified. We pray this in your name. Amen. So 1 Kings chapter 19, 19, take two verses there, then we'll jump to Luke. And so he departed from there, he being Elijah, there being Mount Horeb, and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12th. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him, and then he walks away. <laughs> so it's a drive-by anointing. Uh, nah, it's kind of weird, right? Like he, he walks by and he throws his mantle, which his mantle would have been um, like a cloak, uh, would have actually been made of, of fur. Um, so not leathered, but actually still having the fur on it because uh, it's in Second Kings later on. It's Elijah the hairy man. And they're pointing to his, his cloak because I think he actually was bald, so it's funny. Because um, he's not, but he is. But yeah, anyways, uh, but um, it, it would have been, it, it's a garment of a prophet. And so it kind of signified not only like just like his thing, uh, but, but it signified the calling, the ministry that Elijah had, that they knew that, okay, that is, he is the prophet. He is the one that the Lord speaks through. So when Elijah walks by Elisha in the field and throws his, his mantle on him. Um, it's, it's more than just hold my coat real quick while I like, keep walking. Um, it, it's really denoting the idea that this ministry is going to be transitioned to you, which if we follow, um, it really does. Like a lot of Elijah's like miracles and the way that God uses him are mimicked. In Elisha, there's a lot of like correlation between the two, very similar things, um, and and the power that God worked through Elijah. We see the same thing in Elisha. Uh, between the two of them, I think it's some of the coolest things that God does uh, through people in the Old Testament. They just 
for whatever reason the Lord really used them at the time, which generally makes sense because some of the darkest ages of Israel's history. So the alignment of the two, um, it, it, it's kind of before you get to the, to the ultimatums, uh, which we get you know, in some of Isaiah's uh, prophet, like in, in what uh, the Lord spoke through Isaiah the prophet and, and things like that. But, but either way, he, he throws the mantle down, which interestingly enough is where that idiom comes from. Um, to, to pick up the mantle. Um, you actually, if you, if you go through and you look for it, pretty much everyone points to this exact passage, um, which I think is just really cool when we see a cultural norm and something that we throw around, like it has a biblical root. Um, and so it's kind of just cool to see like pop culture and, uh, you know, literature um, following, you know, stuff that's in the Bible. Like, I don't know, I just like those things. But, uh, but yeah, so he literally challenges him in... in the Lord is calling you to walk in the same ministry as me. But he keeps going. And so Elisha's response um, is verse 20. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and mother and then I will follow you. So having this happen, he stops what he's doing and chases after Elijah. And the thing that he says is, you know, let me kiss my father and mother. So that's why I want to flip to Luke chapter 9, because it sounds similar to a couple of the instances where we find people that either say, Jesus, I will follow you, or Jesus says, follow me, and their response. And so I want to look at those and, and see those four reactions and figure out what's going on with each one and, and, and see where Elisha Lands. And so if you've turned to Luke chapter 9, it's verse 57. And in verse 57, it says, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. So this is someone, I will follow you, Jesus. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And so we know that, that it seems like Jesus is saying recognize the cost of ministry. That following me really does mean leaving other things behind. And so if you're invested in, in whatever business or profession or whatever you're doing, um, you need to hold that in an open hand because I don't have a place to stay. I'm, I'm doing ministry. I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be. And so following me, there is a cost in that. Um, surrendering requires a relinquishing of control. So verse 59, then he said to another, follow me. And so Jesus directly calls him out. But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. Uh, let me first go and bury my father. Verse 60, Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And this is where it feels real insensitive by Jesus, right? Like he just wants to bury his dad. Like what's so wrong with that? So we need to, the phrase is not, my father has just died. Can I please go and do this thing first? It is, can I wait until that day comes? And so we see him more saying like, I will follow you, but let me do something else first. Like, I want to wait until the timing works for me. Um, like, I need to have this happen because I can't leave yet. And I mean, I think if we look at our lives, there's times where sometimes we fall into that category of, you know, Lord, like, I want to follow you, but not until this thing happens. 
you know, we, we can follow you wherever you lead us, but after, you know, the kids graduate high school or, you know, after this job, this contract ends or, you know, whatever. There, there's, there's a number of places that we can go. And so we see this, this person kind of react in that same way. I want to do this thing first, and once this is done, then I'll follow you. And then the third reaction, verse 60, and Jesus said, oh, sorry, 61, and another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me go first and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And so this person is, is leaving it as an open thing. Like, like, let me go and like, you know, say goodbye to everyone and eventually I kind of get around to it and then I can go forward and like there's, there's, there's not any urgency there. And Jesus' response is, he, he talks about a farming metaphor, but the idea is when you're plowing a field is that you need to have a fixed point that you're walking towards. And so that way it keeps you in line and doing your job properly. So if you think about um, it's, it's summer and so it's mowing season. So you've probably had like the 12, 13 year old kid knock on your door and like, can I mow your lawn for 20 bucks? You know, um, it's hilarious watching them do that for the first time. Uh, <laughs> the weird patterns that you get in your grass, like not that like for some people, that's a big deal, the patterns and stuff. But even if it's not, you'll be like, what are you like, it, like, what? Are you following a GPS? Like, what's going on? Why is there an adventure to this process? And you left a big patch over here, and that's not, and, what, and they're like, oh, I don't know. Like, you know. So you can just see, when, when you don't know where you're going, you, you end up with weird results. And, and so Jesus is saying, hey, if, if we're following me, we need to know where we're going, and we need to know what's important, and that's the goal, and that's what we're going to walk towards. And so he's using that as, we can't leave this in, well, I'll follow you when it's convenient, but then if I want to go do this other thing, then I will, but then I'll come back and follow you. That kind of wishy-washy, you know, back and forth, um, it's really hard for us to be really effective in that situation, because when God will call us to do something, is it convenient for us for that moment, or is it not? But the thing that's a little bit awkward is that, what was Elisha doing five minutes ago when we were looking at Elisha? plowing a field. What did he just do? He took his hand off the plow. Uh oh, I'm like, Elisha's in trouble. He's not fit for the kingdom. Um, not exactly. Obviously, otherwise, you know, that would have been a real short message today. Um, but yeah, so, so looking at it, Elisha's response is similar, but it's not exactly the same. And so if we go back to 1 Kings 19, he says, please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And Elijah's response to him, um, go back again for what have I done to you? In other words, Elijah is saying, you know what's happened. Like, I've, I've laid down this, I've laid down the mantle, literally. Um, and you know that God is calling you to something, so it's up to you to respond. Like, I'm not going to tell you you can or can't do anything. That's between you and the Lord. So verse 21, Elisha turned back. So I want to pause there. Because in high school, well, in youth ministry, because we're combined now, but in youth ministry, we have been going through Genesis. And so we just recently went through Sodom and Gomorrah, right, and the, God's judgment on Sodom. And Lot's wife, you have a very similar phrase that as the Lord delivers them, right, that she looks back or turns back. And so that's where you get to do a fun little dive in Hebrew. And I will not try to pronounce the names because I have not taken enough Hebrew classes for that. Um, but, uh, 
the, the, the word that's used for turn back when you're reading in Genesis in Lot's wife has a connotation of a longing or a desire for, that it's looking back with fond memory, that it's a desire to something, maybe even a regret. And so when we look at that, we know that that's not the Lord being harsh and like, well, she looked the wrong direction, and so therefore now she's a pillar of salt. Because that doesn't really line up with God's character, right? Like he's just in his judgment, and that's pretty ticky-tacky. Um, the thing that's interesting is that the word really points to a heart position. And so it's her desire to not leave, which aligns her with everyone else in the area, in the culture of a desire to not want to listen to the Lord at all and to do whatever they wanted to do. And so we see her align her heart with Sodom. And so she's also judged as such as the rest of Sodom. Now, when we look at the word here for turn back or yeah, turned back in verse 21, it's a really basic word, which like, is less exciting than I thought it was going to be. But it literally just means go back. <laughs> but but it's, it's, it's kind of cool because there's not an intent there. There's not a, there's not a he's sad or like, oh, but, but this thing, I can't leave it. It's just he's going back. And so if he's just going back, what is he going back for? And what he's going back for, I think, is really interesting because it helps us understand the last thing that he said. Because if you continue in verse 21, he took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. And then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. And so he goes back to use the oxen that he was just plowing a field with and the yoke, which effectively I think we can say used the yoke to start a fire. And then he slaughtered the oxen that he was plowing the field with and served them to his people, which thank God it's the ancient world, right? Because uh, serving uh, John Deere spark plugs is a lot less appetizing than oxtail. But uh, no, he, he, he's serving them. And I think he's serving them for a purpose. I think that like in reading through and praying through, I think he's doing a really good transition on purpose. Instead of just leaving, because he could have just left with Elijah. Like, you know, the, the rest of the team comes back because you've got 11 other people, at least 24 oxen in total. You know, like, I don't know, Elisha, there's like some random guy threw a hairy thing on him. And then like he left and we don't know what happened. And I think that he's, he's trying to make sure that everyone knows what is happening in his life. I think he's trying to open up that this is what God is doing. And he's calling me to a new season of ministry. And so he takes time to love his family. Because that's the thing that, that I think is a difference between when we looked at the three responses in Luke versus Elisha's. In their responses in Luke, it was like the idea of you need to leave your stuff behind, which makes us think there's a good chance that that person did not want to leave their stuff behind, um, that they were clinging to, to their possessions. The second was, well, but I want to do this thing because like, I have to do this thing first in order to follow you. It wasn't, I need to love my father. It's, it's I want to wait until like, my timing is ready. And, and the third is, well, once I get around to it, then I'll go. Like, there, there's not, there doesn't seem to be a lot of intent there. It's more, what do I want? Where we see Elisha is saying, I want to go back and I want to love them and I want to bring them along in the process. And so I think that that's pretty interesting because then after that, he follows him and Elisha never turns back in the like 
fancy way or in the very straightforward. He doesn't turn back. He doesn't return. He follows the Lord and where he calls him to, which interesting also, he pretty much does live a fairly nomadic life. Um, so he doesn't have a lot of possessions um, carrying around and, and we kind of see him bouncing around from place to place. Um, he, he obviously would have had a substantial uh, property. To have 12 yoke of oxen working through the day, I, when you do like the math and everything, it's a lot of land. Um, many, many acres probably um, of, of field. And so he was successful. He had people that he was leading. Um, we have no evidence that, uh, that he was in any sin at all. And so it seems like he was doing exactly what God, God had called him to do, to love his family, to take care of the land that the Lord had gifted to him, and to you know, continue to love the Lord in that process. Because God wouldn't have called him to a greater ministry if he wasn't faithful in the first ministry that he had already give him, given him. And so he seems to be a faithful guy, but with a decent amount of stuff. And so it's cool because he doesn't, he doesn't fight the process. He wants to do it really well. And so in reading through this, uh, like it's, it's been stuck with me for like a year. And, I, and I've been trying to figure out like, why can't I shake this message? Because that, that doesn't line up with the way that God called me into ministry at the beginning. It doesn't really line up with any other life circumstance. Um, but it felt like one of those where, you know, sometimes you just like you read through a passage. You read, it could be sometimes just a verse or a story or a character. And there's just like, I know that like God has, is using this in my life. There's some sort of connection that I need, I need to see. And, and he just hasn't shown me quite what that is yet. So I carried it for like a year. And that's when I realized uh, later on that, that God was using this for now. Because about two months ago, um, effectively, I'm out plowing the field. I think I'm not positive. It might have actually been later on the Sunday evening that I taught last <laughs> that Ryan messaged me and said, Hey, um, would you guys pray about moving out here and joining the ministry? Because we've been praying and you keep coming to mind and it doesn't make any sense, but I need to ask. And so we prayed for about two weeks, which um, seems like a really long time when you're like, hey, should I move across the country? Um, but the Lord wasn't speaking yet and just, just we needed to wait. And so we, we waited on the Lord and, and we heard go. And so we jumped on a plane on a Friday, um, flew into Salt Lake City because that's the closest large airport, drive two and a half hours south to Richfield. Um, and, and God was working just a lot of small connections and, and weaving everything together. Kind of, I think, to make sure that we were paying attention, honestly. Because the, the guy that picks us up from the airport, one of the elders in Richfield, um, is a University of Arizona graduate, lived in Tucson most of his life, uh, worked airplane manufacturing, actually like systems integrations and he was doing fancy stuff for the government but uh, so we're talking about Tucson and he's referencing like restaurants and landmarks and places I'm like oh yeah no I know I know that thing and this that and he's like it hasn't been there for 25 years how do you know I was like I don't know my parents haven't lived there for 25 years like I got old stories <laughs> I don't know <laughs> so it was cool like like there was a little bit of connection and I was like all right so like this this could be something that the Lord's moving in or it could just be you know one of those cool coincidences that, that God orchestrates you know just a brother in the Lord like this is awesome when we get into town half hour into being there 
Ryan looks at me and like, hey, so we're not trying to sell you, but there's a house that's coming open for rent in the next month, and we really should check it out because the housing market is terrible. Um, and so like, th like this could be a really good thing. And we walked around and we looked at it and like, okay, this can make sense. And you know, maybe that's a thing from the Lord, and maybe that's just a, an open door so that when the Lord says no, it's we know without a shadow of a doubt that there was no reason stopping us other than this is not the Lord's will. Like, okay, and we got to go to one of the really cool things about the ministry is they run a separate nonprofit called The Refuge, which is uh, they, they run a, a thrift store that kind of sponsors a, like a youth rec center, basically on Friday nights, 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock at night. Richfield's a town of 7,000 people. So anything that's open late at night and for youth is like pretty awesome, right? And so there's 20 to 50 kids that'll be there on a week and, and they love them and they hang out with them and all the staff are, are people that they go to Calvary Severe. And so it's great opportunity to, to really just be involved in their lives. And it's cool, like looking at that ministry, it matches a lot of the same tone and style of Youth Horizon stuff that we've done over the years and the ministry at the Boys Ranch and Soccer Thursday, which we were running out in the field because we had a bunch of local kids, you know, hanging out, which funny, Ethan was sitting in first service. He was a fifth grader when we picked him up, um, wandering around in the field outside. And I was like, you just finished your first year of college. Like, this is crazy, you know, like, like God's been, been using those kinds of ministry. And so it makes sense. Like we fit. Um, and, and it felt comfortable, but we still, you know, like, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the Lord. And talking to Ryan and, and Ryan Shaddix is the senior pastor. And, you know, what's our, what do you think our role is? Because moving across the country is not a small thing. And so what, what, how do you think we fit in? Like, we want to be integrated in if we're going to move. Like, we want to do this thing. And so we talked about a role that is kind of an assistant pastor um, with a, a, a focus on youth ministry and being very invested in refuge and looking to do more outreach and really just get plugged into the community. Um, he's a teacher at the high school and the head football coach, so like there's ability to, to start stuff at the high school. Of 700 kids for a town of 7,000, which is like a ton. <laughs> um, and so lots of ministry available, and so we're talking, like this is exciting, you know, what do you guys want to do in the next five years? He's like, I want to buy a building and do an indoor-outdoor skate park. And I was like, I've had a logo for five years. Um, I'm ready to do this thing now. Um, you know, like, so just a lot of unity. And we talked ministry and ways of ministry. Um, come to find out that he was the youth pastor at Calvary Chapel St. George, which is actually why we met him. When Kaylee and I got married in 2016, we drove out to On the Edge worked that five-week discipleship program. Week four was a missions trip. They sent us to Calvary Chapel St. George. Calvary Chapel St. George is like, hey, we're two years into a church plant with one of our guys. You should go meet them. It's Richfield. <laughs> so we drive in and meet them for two days and kind of stayed in touch over the years and did fantasy football together this last fall just because, I don't know, I was like, oh, you're a football coach. This will be fun. So we've, you know, just silly things here and there and, and talked some serious ministry. And so... Um, but I didn't realize before he was at Calvary Chapel St. George, he was serving up in the Phoenix area. And so he was doing retreats with Pastor Al James, who was the interim pastor here. And he was like, oh, I know Al. We've done a ton of stuff together. I was like, Al sat me and Patrick down. I'm 13. Patrick's just, you know, saying, hey, like, we're, we're called to, to Kansas. Al sat me down and said, he's your guy and you're his guy and don't lose each other. Like, God wants to do something with the two of you. Um, that was 12 years ago. 
Um, so I'm like, yeah, owls had a huge impact in, in my life and ministry. And so it was just cool. And, and so we, we talked about that and we, we went to, to sleep and woke up the next day. And, and just over the course of the day talking, he said, you know, I, I was praying about the role and the Lord gave me a vision of me being an oxen and having an empty side of the yoke. And I really think that you're being called to be a co-laborer together as we, you know, walk in the ministry that, that God has for us. And so immediately my mind is brought here because I've been trying to figure out why this fits with our life. Like, because I know that God's saying that it does, but it doesn't make any sense until I sat and I thought about it that, well, and he said that and it kind of all like, it's one of those, like the Lord speaks a ton of information inside of like 30 seconds and it takes you a little bit to unpack it all. Um, but I looked at, there's a lot of parallel. Elisha was doing good. The, like the, his, his household was successful. He was leading people. And there was nothing wrong with where he was. There's no reason that he should leave except God called him to a new season of ministry. And if I look around, it's, it's been a hard couple of years. And we've, we've fought through some, some difficulties and, and you know, COVID and, and all that stuff. But we're, we're healthy. We're moving. There's, there's new things. Even the garden that that Rob was talking about. You know, it's been cool. Uh, Caleb, uh, our, our intern from Old Bridge for the summer, <laughs> went out and helped and came back in. He was like, they work harder than anyone else I know. <laughs> um, and, you know, my kids and Rob's kids were running through the halls carrying a bag of radishes, really excited until they bit into one. Um, but, uh, you know, like, like God's doing a fresh work. He's, he's reviving some ministries. Um, he's birthing new ministries that, that just as a body. So there's not a reason for us to leave. Youth are very healthy right now. Um, for, for, for where we've been, and that's not because we've done anything special. Um, the Lord is, is doing something, um, has been speaking through us, but really has been speaking to them, I think, probably more than he spoke through me at all. Um, they're, they're healthy. There's no reason for us to leave. It, it's not bad blood. I'm not just tired of Patrick being taller than me. Uh, you know, like there, there's no reason for us to go unless the Lord calls us. And there's no reason for Elisha to go except the Lord calls him to a new thing. And, and so looking at it, you know, the Lord really spoke to me. This is also how he wanted us to leave. And that's been our, our, our attempt. And, and I hope that that's come across because I really do think that he has taken that time to bring people along with him so that instead of just leaving, they know what God is doing in his life so that God gets the glory for it. And so we've been trying to share that um, as much as we can and to leave well. Um, Ryan told me your last two weeks better be your best two weeks, uh, which, is, which is sound advice, you know, um, to, to leave well and, and to not just like, all right, I'm out. Um, but, but work a good transition. And, and, and I think Elisha does that as well. And, and so the Lord was kind of, yeah, just, just knitting those two things together. And, and I realized like, okay, so, so this is what it is. Um, but the thing that I think I find really interesting is that Elisha still needed to respond. He's not drug out. He, he's not commanded to leave right now. Um, he needed to, to step into it, knowing that, that God called him to it. And, and, and looking at it, you know, there's, there's the direct correlation for us. Um, and, and it fits in, in what God's doing right now. But I think it's true for all of us. 
You know, transitions are some of the best times to really sit with the Lord and pray, is there anything that I'm missing? Because God does do fresh new works in our life, new seasons of life all the time. And it's easy sometimes to ignore those because we've been doing the same ministry for a long time or to ignore them because the timing is terrible or ignore them because it doesn't make sense to leave that job or it doesn't make sense to sell the house and, and, and move to a different area, even across town. It doesn't make sense to, to move across the country. It doesn't make sense to, to whatever. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't want to do it. And, and so the, the thing that, that I do want to encourage all of us is, is yeah, right now the Lord is, is calling us to move across the country. Um, and that doesn't mean that he's calling everyone in here to move across the country. Ryan said I could bring as many as I wanted. I don't think he would complain. So, <laughs> But uh, he, that doesn't mean that the Lord's not calling all of us to a fresh season of ministry. Because the thing that I know, God's going to use this in way more than just our lives. Like, I really don't think this is about us. Like, we just get to be along in the process. I think God is going to use it for Calvary Chapel, Wichita. And if, if anything else, just the little extra awareness of dependence, right? Changing roles and people makes us need to pay attention to, okay, like, what are we doing, Lord? I'm very presently aware that I need you. And so I think God's going to use it that way. I think God's going to use it in, in the lives of everyone serving. I think God's going to use it in the body. I think God's going to use it for Calvary Chapel, Sevier Valley, and having you know uh, new people in. I think will will be uh, refreshing. I th I think God is going to use us amongst the youth. Um, I think God is 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 actively doing a work in the town. It's one of the things that was crazy. You know, I, I the Lord has spoken very clearly. And one of the ways that he has was through a random person at the hotel. Sunday morning, we're getting ready to go to church, and our ride's running late. And so we, we get in the elevator, and there's a guy standing in there. My wife initiates a conversation with him, which is an act of God by itself. Uh, <laughs> but between the two of us, one of us is extroverted, and it's definitely not her. Um, but, uh, and I couldn't think of anything to say, so that's also an act of the Lord. Uh, but, you know, um, I'll talk to anyone forever. Like, and I couldn't, I couldn't. I was like, I'm supposed to, like, we're supposed to talk to this guy, and I don't know what to say. And I'm like, this is weird. I was like, I don't know, maybe Kaylee will say something. And so we, we talk about Ninja Turtles, which there's actually, there's a weird connection and a, a conversation we have with Ryan and... It was, yeah, that's not super important. So we had a, a brief conversation that didn't really mean much. And, and as we, we step outside, you know, Ryan texts us, hey, the ride's 10 minutes late. We're looking at mountains. So like, it's like 75 degrees staring at a bunch of mountains. I'm going to wait outside. I'm not going back in the hotel. Um, and so we're standing outside waiting, and that guy comes back, and he looks us in the eye and says, why are you here? So I'm like, dude, it's a hotel. Like, <laughs> why is anybody here? I don't live here. Like, <laughs> I'm visiting. No. Um, you know, why are we here? And, and so we told them, Calvary Severe, and they brought us out to pray about moving here and, and the ministry and yada, yada. And, and, and he looks at us and he says, you need to move here. Like, you need to seriously do this. I was like, okay. <laughs> why? <laughs> and he grew up in the town, went to high school there 
graduated, moved up to Salt Lake, and he told me, he's like, I'm LDS, so we disagree on a lot of things, but I know the ministry because I remember when they moved into town and I've met their people and I've seen the way that they do things and they love this community. And he said, the thing that you don't realize is how much impact you can have on the youth here. Um, and, and I can't remember exactly, but basically like what, I don't remember how he said it, but what better way what better reason would you have to move or what better way is there to live your life than know that you can have an impact on this town? Um, so I was like, dude, <laughs> like for real. <laughs> um, so we, we prayed with him um, and he went back into the hotel and Ryan drives up frantically like, I'm late, I'm so sorry. I was like, no, you weren't supposed to be on time, it's cool. <laughs> um, so we, we told him the story and he was like, dude, like, yeah, like God's working, like this is awesome. <laughs> um, we do church and, and all that, and, and the Lord kept, kept speaking in little things. Uh, I got to play golf with three eighth-grade boys, and I don't golf, so that was humbling. Um, but um, it's just cool, you know, like one of them, one of, so one of the kids that, that came that, like, doesn't go to church at all, and he's like, so you're like the new youth pastor or something? It's like, I mean, cards on the table, I think so. Like, pretty sure that's what the Lord's saying. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I guess that's a stamp of approval, like... But, um, you know, but it was cool, just the, the, the working and, and the knitting together. Um, yeah, I think just being reminded that, that when God will speak to us, he will use people randomly at hotels. He, I talked to someone for a service, he's used donkeys. He said, did you ever think about the fact you could have used your neighbor's dog to call you to Utah? I was like, that's amazing. Um, but, uh, you know, like, yeah, God will speak to us. Even when we don't want to hear it. And so how much more will he speak to us if we're asking and we're listening? Because that's really the biggest thing that we learn from Elisha being called into ministry is that when the Lord spoke, he he said, yes, Lord, and, and he followed. Because the other, the other three in Luke, there, there was that resistance, like, but what about this, or what about that, and, and you know, it, the timing's wrong, or I haven't done the right things, or I don't want to give up something. Um, you know, but Elisha simply, okay, let's do this. Because he knew it was worth it. I found a Billy Graham quote which, you know, he might know a thing or two about ministry. He said, when we come to Christ, we're no longer the most important person in the world to us. Christ is. Instead of living only for ourselves, we have a higher goal to live for Jesus. And it's cool because effectively, the guy in the hotel told us the exact same thing. Is, if God's calling you here, what better use could you do with your life? And so I do, I, like I said, I know that not all of us will be moving across the country, but I do think that the Lord wants to speak to all of us as clear. And I, and I do think that there is a fresh work that the Lord wants to do in all of our lives, not in a, in a weird, grandiose way of, you know, because we're missing things and we need a, a fresh enlightenment. But, but God always works new things in us, even if it's just the renewing of our minds process of sanctification, walking with the Lord is always a new thing. 
it's a new level of growth. It's a new understanding, um, seeing things in a new light. I really do think God might be calling some of you to, to something big and new and, and all of us to a new perspective, to have more of the eyes of the Lord, to be able to see things as he does, more of, of the Lord's heart, to be able to, to love people as he does. You know, God is always doing something fresh. You know, he's not, it's not stale. The, the, the word is, is living, right? And we can, we, can, we can teach this every single Sunday. And, and I know that like it's three verses and God could show us all something completely different every single week because he's always working and moving. And so I do want to challenge us to ask the Lord like straight, like actually in, in prayer, Lord, is there something new that you want to do? Because we know he'll answer. We have Elijah running away in depression. We have Elisha in the field working. And the Lord speaks to them both. You know, there's, there's random guy in hotel that God uses. There's friends that, that the Lord speaks to and, and uses. The, the, the Lord will speak to us if we listen. But it's not too much different than everyone else is in these stories. It's our choice to respond. And say, all right, Lord, like, maybe that's a big thing, and I don't know what that looks like, <laughs> but I want to follow you. And it might be, okay, Lord, I haven't thought about things like that. I want to see where this takes us. You know, I think about, so almost to the day is seven years since I graduated high school, moved from Haven, uh, moved into a side room with Patrick, and stepped on staff as a pastoral intern. So it's just a seven-year itch, you know, I need to get out now. Um, <laughs> but no, it's, it's almost seven years, and man, if I think about the amount of times that the Lord has changed what I thought was fact um, about ministry, we'd be here forever. <laughs> the amount of times that the Lord's like, nope, like, you think that's really important? It's not. Um, you're just like 20, get over it. Uh, no, <laughs> you know, the thing, things that we find really important are just, hey, I, it's, it's time for a new season. You know, we've just in youth ministry, it's changed a lot over those seven years. Wednesday night things to Friday night things to Sunday events, like that's new within the last year for us. Like, you know, like, like God is always, it's, it's a fresh thing. It's a new group of people. You know, the body changes a little bit. We, there's, there's more people in and, and it's just different different times and season, and, and the Lord will do that. We just have to let him. And, uh, you know, as Elisha, take up the mantle. But the good thing is that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. You know, I, I think that, uh, I think it's not an accident that he's out in the field with oxen. And he, he, he traded yokes. He burned the old ones so they didn't have anything to go back to. <laughs> but, but he traded yokes, knowing that wherever the Lord would take him, that, that it wasn't about how hard Elisha worked for it, but it was about his obedience to God's call, his obedience to God's word. And I think the last thing that's encouraging, well, many things are encouraging, but the last thing I want to encourage you with God uses our direct disobedience for his glory. 
how much more will he use our skeptical? Not sure, but I'm trying to do this right, <laughs> Lord. And you know, we think of people like Jonah. The Lord says, Jonah, go to Nineveh, preach repentance. And he says, no. <laughs> and he gets on a boat and he tries to run away. And then he gets chucked into the water and eaten by a fish for three days and three nights. That's not an accident. And then he gets vomited out onto land, which doesn't sound pleasant, um, but wanders in and has to like begrudgingly, passive-aggressively, like, you're all in sin and you need to repent or something because like God made me do this. Like That's what I assume, which we don't know exactly, other than the fact that after he does so, he goes to find you know a nosebleed section seat so that when the fire and brimstone happens, he's not scorched in the process. And then it's too hot, and so then there's a little plant that like you know shades him, but then that breaks, and he's like, why does the Lord hate me? All meanwhile, where Nineveh is is shaken to their core and repenting to the Lord, and and like like God is doing an amazing thing, and Jonah's annoyed with the entire process at best, but yet God still uses him. And and so if we are seeking the Lord, and Lord, we don't know what this looks like, but we want to get it right. God will speak to us and he will use us because even if we run away from him, he will still use that in the long run because he has that ability to. He doesn't waste a single thing. And so if, if God, I know, will speak to us and, and whatever that is, it's just our response to step out in faith, knowing that he's going to meet us in the process, that he's going to walk with us in the process. When he's calling people to follow him, he's not saying, follow me and wander that direction by yourself. He's saying, follow me. Come with me. And so hopefully, like I said, hopefully we've been in Elijah. Hopefully we've, we've been able to encourage you as God is working in our lives. Um, I know that you guys have, have been an encouragement over the years. Um, and so let's seek the Lord. I'm excited to hear a good report. You know, it's a, it's a Pauline kind of a thing, right? I think about all the times where he's like, I long to be with you guys. Um, I know that, that it'll, it'll be both ways. And we'll, we'll want to be back and see what God's doing. You guys will want to be there and see what God's doing. And we'll get to share stories. And we don't have to send messengers with you know, letters, we get to like FaceTime and stuff too. So <laughs> um, we know that, that God will, will, will keep us united. And even if he doesn't, even if we never see each other again, we'll see each other forever. Like, I mean, that's the thing that's pretty crazy is like e even in the, uh, even in separation, you know, it's not, it's not a big sad. That's a small sad. You know, it's temporary because we'll all get to rejoice with him and with each other for an eternity which sounds pretty great. So let's seek the Lord together. Let's let him breathe a fresh work and let's praise him for it. Love you guys. So Lord, as we come before you, Father, we just ask that, um, Lord, that you would continue. Continue to speak. Continue to show us what's next. Lord, help us to, to step out in faith and following where you lead us. Lord, knowing that there's no better place to be. So Lord, we thank you for who you are. And we thank you for what you're doing. And we pray this in your name. Amen.